Can we celebrate? Yeah. Yeah, proud of those of you who went on that trip, and uh, we know you made an impact in other people's lives, but we know it also impacted yours. It's encouraging uh, seeing how God moved uh, in and through uh, those of you who are a part of that. Uh, well, okay, good morning, church. It's good to be here with you. Uh, if you're a guest, I want to give you a warm welcome. If you're watching online, hey, we're so glad that uh, you are tuned in as well. We are in a series right now called Taking Ground, and we're pushing back the darkness. That's the heart behind the series. Um, the, the, the hope is that you and I are going to experience more freedom, that we're going to experience more freedom, that chains in our life that uh, need to be broken, maybe chains that we've been wearing for many years, chains we've been wearing for decades are going to be broken uh, through this series, and we're going to experience that abundant life Jesus promised us. That's what I want for each and every one of us. I want us to experience the abundant life Jesus gave his life for so that you and I can walk in that. You and I can walk in that freedom and be people filled with love and more joy and more peace in our life and then make an impact and spread that freedom to others. So that's really the hope um, behind this series. Uh, and, and this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just Parents, just fair warning, if you didn't get the email that went out this week, didn't hear me mention this last week, um, we're going to be dealing with the topic of sex this morning, okay? So, I mean, this is going to be somewhat of a PG-13 message, and so I'm giving you fair warning right now um, to to, to just know this is probably going to raise questions for children uh, that are in the room. It might even raise some questions for some of you, Okay. Um, but I am, uh, I'm, I'm excited that uh, we're going to see some chains uh, broken um, this, this morning. And I was asking myself the question this past week, what would I compare sex to? And the best um, maybe analogy that I came up with was fire, right? I would, com- I would compare sex to fire, right? You know, fire is, is a wonderful thing. You, you, you know, if, for those of you who have gas stoves, you know that fire on a, on a stove, it, it can cook food and it can be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Fire in your fireplace, it can, can warm up your home. And uh, it's, it's just beautiful to, I, I love getting up in the morning and turning on my fireplace uh, in the, in the wintertime. Uh, and then even, you know, having campfires, things like that. <laughs> Anybody love to have like outdoor fires, you know, in their fire pit? I certainly do. In fact, my wife has to hide, like, the matches sometimes and the lighter and the lighter fluid and the gasoline because I, I like to have big fires. Anybody else? And then sometimes they've gotten a, a little bigger than they, they should be. And that's the other aspect of this analogy of fire. While fire can be a wonderful, great thing, uh, fire can also very much be a dangerous thing. O- outside of its proper boundaries... Fire can burn your house down. In fact, I just heard somebody across the street, in the neighborhood just across the street, somebody showed me a picture this past week. I don't know who it was, but their garage burned down. I don't know what caused it, but we saw the damage of what happens when fire is outside of its proper boundaries. And in the same way, sex is like that. Sex is a wonderful thing. But sex outside of its proper boundaries can be very dangerous. 
and it can it can lead to damage in in our in our in our lives. And so I just want to be clear. Like my hope this morning, uh, it's it's not this is not a message on breaking free from like sexual addiction or or things like that. That's that's not what I'm aiming to do this morning. That's a different message for a different time. I'm talking about past effects um, from sexual experiences that some of us are still carrying, the baggage that some of us still have around past sexual experiences that then affects our life, and it can especially affect our current marriage, or it can affect um, a future uh, marriage. Uh, for example, if, if in your past um, you, you were, were cheated on or experienced some kind of betrayal, something like that, you know, that's something that might cause some trust issues with you, even with your current spouse or whoever your future spouse will be. Maybe some of us are walking around with some, some deep regret or maybe shame. Shame is one of Satan's favorite weapons to use in our life, and he loves for us to walk around in, in shame, and that's going to affect our life, and that can affect our marriage, um, that it can affect um, our, the, the, the kind of marriage and the intimacy God wants us to experience, whether that's in a current marriage or a, in, 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 in the future. And so I want to see those chains broken so, again, we can experience the abundant life and the, the kind of intimacy and joy that God wants for our Marriages, the kind of trust that belongs in in our marriages, and so to to, to begin, all right, um, I want us to understand that that sex is God's design. We we need to start there, recognizing it is God who created sex, and He created sex for uh, multiple reasons. Um, but it, it, if if we were to be honest, you know, the church doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to this topic of sex. The, the church often treats God as being very prudish. And uh, have maybe some of you even grew up and what you heard was that the only purpose of sex is just procreation. It's just to have children, right? Um, but that's not true. That's not true. That is one purpose of sex, but there is a, another purpose, and that is pleasure. It's not just for procreation. God gave us sex to enjoy. He gave us sex for pleasure. It is his design, and he purposed it that way. It is God who gave us sexual desire. That is from God. Now, when that gets out of control and we can't be content, okay, then it, that's when it spirals into lust. Something the Bible talks about that we need to, to, to be aware of. But sexual desire itself, we need to understand, is from the Lord. And the Bible talks about this. In fact, I'm going to read for you something we read from Song of Solomon. Okay, this is chapter 7. And I just want you to hear this. I want you to hear this, this language. And uh, by the way, uh, many commentators note that, like, the English translation of this probably is pretty conservative. The Hebrew would be probably a little bit more even erotic than what we are about to read. But let me, let me just read it for you, okay? This is a, a, a husband de describing his lover, okay? He says, how beautiful your sandaled feet. O prince's daughter, 
Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gates of Bath Ravine. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. Now, he was on dangerous ground with that one. <laughs> Started talking about her nose like being a tower, okay? But I, I, I get the feeling she rolled with it. And by the way, the idea here is she is probably, he, the, the visualization, he, she's probably dancing before him. She's probably uh, almost completely nude here, if not nude, okay? But she is, the idea is like she's, she's dancing and he's describing her body. He says, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing, my love, with your delights. Your stature is like that of the palm and your breast, like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb that palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. May your breast be like clusters of grapes on the vine. The fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. Does our God sound prudish to you? Some of you had no idea this was in your Bible. We are going to see Bible reading go up this week. I, I just have this feeling. Some of you come downstairs find your spouse all of a sudden reading the Bible like never before. Okay, friends, our God is not a prudish God. He created sex. He designed it. Then she says this in, in chapter 5. I want you to see how she describes her lover. She says, my beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His hand is pure as gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with topaz. His body is like polished ivory, decorated with lapis lazuli. Danielle says this to me all the time. Okay? I get that. She's actually memorized this. His legs are pillars of marble set on basis of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. Sweet. I mean, this is... He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, daughters of Jerusalem. She's boasting about the beauty of her lover and her desire for him. Friend, I need us to understand, God is not a prudish God. He created, he designed sex. Now, why do we get prudish? Why does the church get prudish? Oftentimes, it's because we've been burned by the fire. What happens when you get burned? You, you tend to want to avoid and so this is what happens to so many of us. Or we want to protect our children because of past pains in our life. So we don't want to go there. So the pendulum swings always. All of a sudden, we're just not going to talk about it. And we become known as those people who are very prudish when it comes to sex. But you need to understand, God designed sex, and he is no, he is no prude. 
It's not just for procreation. It is for enjoyment as, as well. First thing I need to understand, sex is God's design, and it is good when it is in the proper boundaries. And those boundaries are within marriage, okay? Okay, now, we call it marriage today, but we need to back up a little bit and understand, like, in, you know, biblically, they would use uh, another word to go with marriage. They would use the word covenant. Covenant. And it's just not a word we use today, right? We, we don't use this word covenant. It simply means um, uh, an agreement or a commitment made. But it's more than that. It's a strong agreement. It, it's a strong commitment. That's what we mean when we talk about marriage. It's a, what the biblical would call a marriage covenant. A marriage agreement, a, 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 a marriage commitment to one another. And actually, this is how covenants were made in ancient times, in biblical times. They would take an animal, and they would split it into long ways, okay? And then they would take both halves, and they would lay that animal out, okay? And the two parties that made this agreement, it wasn't just a handshake. They would then walk between those two halves of that animal. You can imagine the blood and the entrails that they're walking through. And here's what they were saying. They were saying, if we don't keep our end of the bargain, if we don't keep that, may what happen to this animal, okay, may, may that happen to us. That was how a covenant was, was made. Okay, this is serious, right? I mean, you can sense the gravity of that. And so, you know, you think about modern-day marriages, and, and listen, modern-day weddings can be very beautiful. But more important than that dress that the bride is wearing, more important than the suits that the men are wearing and the groom, more important than the flowers, more important than the rings. Again, all those things are wonderful and symbolic. But at the heart of it, a covenant is being made, a very serious commitment to one another. Can you imagine if we practiced this at modern day weddings, we split an animal in two? You know, dun, 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 dun. Ask the bride to step through the blood and the entrails? It would change the feel of a wedding, wouldn't it? But that's what we're saying. You're saying, hey, what happened to this animal? We don't keep. That's how serious. That's what's happening. At a wedding, that's the covenant that is, 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 being, is being made, okay? You need to understand this. It's, it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's more than all the trappings and all the beauty. There is a serious covenant that, that is being made. Why? Well, in large part, it's to protect the sexual union. Between two people. Okay. That's why such a strong commitment is needed. It's because of the sexual union that will take place between two people. And so to understand that, we need to understand three aspects okay, of, of sex itself. 
that maybe some of us have never heard, maybe some of us have never been taught. Okay? The first one is pretty obvious. First aspect of sex is it's a physical act. And this is what most of us think about, right, when it comes to sex. Sex is a physical act. That's probably the first thing we think about, two physical bodies. Okay? It is very physical in nature. Um, you know, if you have sex ed training or anything like that, the focus is generally going to be on the physical act and the physical effects or consequences that can come through sex. So pregnancy, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, these kinds of things are what tend to be focused on when the world talks about sex. It's the physical aspect of sex, and certainly there is a physical aspect of sex. But sex is so much more than just a physical act. Second thing, aspect we need to understand about sex is that sex affects us emotionally. Okay? There is an emotional aspect to sex. That you are not going to be unaffected emotionally through a sexual experience. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this might help any marriages out there, uh, but sometimes men, let's just be honest, typ- typically men get stereotyped as just being physical creatures, right? They just care about the physical. But maybe some wives need to hear, or maybe vice versa, that that, that is not always the case. It It's maybe how men have been stereotyped, but I can tell you from me, um, yes, there is the physical aspect, but very much there's an emotional aspect in it where I need to feel close to my wife. The physical is how, one way, I feel so close. that's, That's actually, for so much of it, what is at the heart of it. It's that emotional connection, that feeling close through this physical act. And in a sense, and this might sound bad to maybe our politically correct ears, but I need to know that my wife is mine. And by the way, vice versa, I let my wife know I will be yours anytime you want. I am available. But sometimes men get labeled as, oh, it's just physical or they're just using. No, there's very much, you might not understand, your husband wants to be close to you. He wants that emotional closeness. That's actually what he is, whether he knows it or not. That can be very much be an emotional aspect. In fact, we know that through sex, uh, chemicals in the brain are released. Uh, uh, oxytocin, um, namely, is released. And oxytocin is a bonding chemical in the brain. It bonds to people. Okay? This is the same chemical that is released during childbirth that a mother experiences with her child. It's the same chemical that bonds a mother to a child. That is the same chemical that is released during sex. And so it's meant to bond us. It's meant to uh, draw us even closer. And so when that is betrayed, you can imagine the hurt and the emotional damage, okay, that can come from that. And it can leave scars, and it can hurt, and it can affect even future relationships, okay? Um, 
and that trust that, that God wants us to have with our spouse, okay? So sex is a physical act. Sex affects us emotionally. Yes, it does, okay? And, and I'll say to this, the world will generally agree with these, these two. E- even though uh, it, it, the world tends to focus just on the physical, it will every once in a while admit uh, the emotional aspect of sex and what comes with that and being cheated on and things like that. Okay? And, and I feel like this is important to say, parents, maybe you need to be aware of this. You need to understand that what's taught in schools and what's taught in universities, all of it, guys, is coming from an atheistic worldview. You do need to know that. Okay? So it's going to be taught primarily about sex being physical, and maybe the emotional gets sprinkled in. Certainly secular psychologists would talk about the emotional. But this is really where it stops with the world. The Bible's going to take it even one step further. It's not just a physical act. It doesn't just affect us emotionally. Sex also connects us spiritually. There is a spiritual connection to sex. Okay? Paul, the Apostle Paul, is going to have to deal with sexual immorality in the church at Corinth. And just so you know, the church at Corinth, man, they had some, they had some issues going on, all right? They were baby Christians. They're still trying to figure out how to walk and live out their relationship with Jesus. And so he's having to deal with things that were a part of their culture, sexual immorality being one of them. Uh, In our day and age, right, pornography is very prolific and very accessible. But in Paul's time, it wasn't necessarily pornography, right? They didn't have computers, things like that, pictures. But they did have temples, where they worshiped these false gods. And one of the things that was common about these temples was they would have temple prostitution. It was very easy to go visit a temple. It was all, they understood there was a spiritual component to sex. And they would go and they would visit. It was very easy to visit a temple prostitute. You could even justify it as being, being religious in nature. And this was a problem. People were getting saved. They're coming into the church. They're like, I don't know if I want to give that up. Okay. And so Paul is having to address that in 1 Corinthians 6. And he says this to the church. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Okay. Do you not realize that you are connected to Jesus? Okay. Jesus is physically in heaven, but you are spiritually connected and you are his physical presence here on earth. I think it's important for us to understand, friends, maybe some of us here don't even realize that. Did you realize that you are connected to Jesus spiritually? This is why you're able to commune with him if you are in Christ. If you put your faith in Christ. This is why baptism is depicting you are being united with Jesus. From the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, you are one. And you are his physical presence. It's like you are a body part of Jesus here on earth. Saying, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? He goes on to say, shall I then take the member of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? He says, never. He says, never. Now, the the, the church of Corinth, some of these people at Corinth, they're saying, I don't want to give that up. I want to continue having sex outside of the, 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 the boundaries of marriage. You're saying, Paul, what's so wrong with that? They even have a saying, the stomach is for food, the food is for stomachs. Like, we have appetites. It's just a physical thing, after all. Paul, what is so wrong 
with having sex outside of marriage. Verse 16, do you not know? Church, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. Now, understand by body, here Paul means holistically the entire self. All of us. Heart, mind, soul, spirit. That we become connected to that person through sex. It doesn't matter if it's a prostitute or not. He's saying through sexual union, we become connected spiritually. Dr. David Lowry, commentator on this passage, he said it this way. He said, the union to two people, talking about the sexual union, involves more than just physical contact. It is also a union of personalities which alters both people. Whoa. Do you see the significance of sex? See, the world is never going to teach you this. Never going to teach you that there is a spiritual connection that is being made that can alter us and can alter even our personality to some degree. And now are you starting to see why sex belongs within the boundaries of marriage and why there needs to be a very strong covenant around this union that is made? Friends, this is how God designed it. And I know some of us are in here and we've made mistakes in our past. Okay? This is why we're in this series. Because our God is a God that can break chains. Our God is a God who can undo what has been done. And if some of us need to have our spirit separated from another person that is not our spouse, Jesus came, died, bled, so that your soul can be set free. This is the victory we have in Jesus' name. And beyond that, I need you to understand, because maybe some of us are feeling bad right now. Maybe Satan's making some of you feel ashamed right now. It's, again, his favorite weapon. He wants you to feel this way. Here's what I want us to know. If we turn to God... And we ask for his help. He is a redeemer. And he will bless your future. You are looking at living proof. My Jesus has been so good to me. I've made mistakes in my past. Okay? And I remember those days where I felt like I've blown it. There's no way God could redeem this life. And then I went to a little school. I'd actually, because of my past mistakes, I was that guy who went all the way over here on the pen alone. And I said, you know, I even told God, God, because of the mistakes I've made, I'm never going to get married. Two days later, I met Danielle. I was at Covenant Bible College. And uh, I saw her. She saw me. And uh, it was love at first sight. And then I eventually fell in love with her too, but um, (laughs) she hates that joke. I've been saying it for years. But I 
actually was not the case. I, we both, like, had eyes for each other, okay? And we started talking. We became quickly, like, really good friends, like best friends. And I was like, this is a person I could spend the, the rest of my life with. But problem, she's from Minnesota. I'm from Texas. What are we going to do? Um, I was working at a camp. And I remember she gave me a phone call and said, hey, have you ever considered coming up to Northwestern College? That's where I'm going. I'd... And uh, I made the move. I moved from Texas. And I moved. And then, long story short, we ended up getting, getting married. And friends, this is what I need you to hear. Despite the mistakes that were made, um, my God... Uh, has, has, has redeemed my life. And I would tell you that my marriage today uh, is, I, I, I'm more in love with my wife today than, than I ever have been. It doesn't mean we haven't been through some hard stuff and through some hard seasons. Okay, I remember when we had twins, man, it was just like, I never thought we were going to have a conversation again. <laughs> That's what it felt like. We're never going to have a conversation again. I, I'll see you in 20 years. And yet today, I'm standing before you telling you, I, I've never been more in love with my wife, and I have been very blessed. And God took a broken man, and my wife is a part of God's redemptive story for my life. And you need to know, regardless of the mistakes you've made, he can redeem your life too. You will turn to him, because it's who our God is. And some of you don't know Yahweh. you got to get to know Yahweh. You got to cut through the idolatry of our world and get to know Yahweh. He's a redeeming God who lifts up broken people who turn to him. Love what he says in Isaiah to a broken people. He says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Talking about their mistakes that they've made. He's saying, not only am I going to repay you for the mistakes you made, I'm going to then double it. Sound like a good God to anybody? I'm glad I know Yahweh. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Just who our God is. No matter what mistake we've made. Man, he can take it. He can flip it. And he can redeem. Give us even double. Whoa. So what do we do? All right, so I'm going to end with this, and then we're going to spend some time in prayer, okay? Praise the chains will be, will be broken in this place. First, we, uh, we confess. It has to start with confession, friends. We've got to confess to God. If there's been a mistake made, all right, and again, um, this is to free you. This is for your good. We confess, and uh, we just tell God, here's what happened. We confess it. The Bible says if we confess our sins, right, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness. So we want to come before him and we want to spend some time this morning just in confession and just between us and God. God, here's what happened, okay? Secondly, we repent. We repent. Repentance, here's what I'm learning. The more I repent of things, the more God breaks chains in my life. Repentance is not a bad thing, friends. Repentance is a wonderful thing that leads to more freedom in your life. And what am I doing when I repent? I'm turning from the lie. I'm turning from the mistake. And I'm saying, God, I want to start doing it your way because I want more of you in my life. You are a chain breaker. So some of us, we need to repent so that we can be set free. 
And so we've heard what God's word says on this subject, and so we will repent for the purpose of being free this morning. And then we're going to do this right now. We're going we're to pray, and we're going to ask that God would forgive and that he would undo any connections that have been made in our life. Why? So that the marriage you're in today or the remarriage you're going to find yourself in or the future marriage that you will find yourself in so that you can walk in freedom and start laying down that baggage from your past. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads. And just in your heart, we can all just kind of pray this to God. I'll speak it, but you just kind of pray it in your heart between you and God. Right now, Lord, I ask you to bring to my mind every sexual use of my body as an instrument of unrighteousness. Okay? So I can renounce these sins right now. Or I can renounce what was done to me. Because maybe it wasn't sin. Maybe it wasn't something that you chose that was done to you. But Lord, bring it to our mind right now. And Lord, I renounce whatever that was, whatever that is. Right now, just confess that to God, Lord, I renounce that with whoever that person is, was, And I ask you to break that bond with that person. Ask God to break that bond right now. In Jesus' name. I want to ask that you break those bonds. Chains being broken right now. Lord, I renounce all these uses of my body as an instrument of unrighteousness. And I admit to my willful participation. For those of us where it was willful... I choose now to present my eyes, my mouth, my mind, my heart, my hands, and feet and sexual organs to you as an instrument of righteousness. I present my whole body to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And I choose to reserve the sexual use of my body for marriage only. I reject the devil's lies that my body is not clean or that it is dirty or any way unacceptable, unacceptable to you as a result of my past sexual experiences. Thank you for Jesus and the blood that cleanses. Lord, thank you that you have totally cleansed and forgiven me and that you have a good plan for the rest of my life. Thank you for your love. Therefore, I choose now to accept myself and my body as clean in your eyes. Church, you gotta, you gotta claim that. You gonna claim that this morning? cleansed and forgiven in the eyes of God through the blood of Christ. And friends, this, this prayer, this next prayer is for any of you who have been through divorce. Okay? I'm just going to ask you to pray this to God. You say, Lord, I confess to you any part that I played in my divorce. Thank you for your forgiveness. And I choose to forgive myself as well. I renounce the lie that my destiny is now in being divorced. 
I am a child of God, and I reject the lie that says I am a second-class Christian because of my divorce. I reject the lie that says I am worthless, unlovable, and that my life is empty and meaningless. I am complete in Christ who loves me just as I am. Lord, I commit the healing of all hurts in my life to you as I have chosen to forgive those who have hurt me. I also place my future into your hands and trust you to provide the human companionship you want for me. That you want to give me through your church and if it be your will, through another spouse. I pray all this in the healing name of Jesus, my Savior and Lord and closest friend. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who can break any chain. You are a God who can undo anything that has been done here on earth, Lord. Thank you that by your wounds, we can now be healed, restored. People of redemption who have a story to tell of how good and mighty and strong you are, Yahweh. That there is nothing you can't do. It's who you are. And we can feel your love in this place this morning. We want more, Jesus. We want more of you. Give us hope. Give us faith to live out the destiny you have called each and every one of us to in the freedom that you gave your life for from this day forward. Lord, we will believe. We will believe in our God of redemption. Thank you. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all the church said, amen.